0: Welcome to the Venue Solutions Podcast, where we talk about everything data center, information technology, cybersecurity, and more. I'm William, Venue's data center sales engineer and one of your hosts.
1: Hi, I'm Eric Malatesta, Venue data center infrastructure manager, and also one of your hosts.
2: And I'm Michael Faisley, Venue's network infrastructure manager and cybersecurity specialist. And I'm also one of your hosts.
0: This is Venue podcast number 75 for September 14th, 2021. In this podcast, we are joined by Venue's own Bert Williams to discuss data center features that keep our customers up and running, even during hurricanes. All this and more in this Venue podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the next Venue podcast. Um, I'm here with hey, well. hey, I'm here with Michael Faisley and Eric Malatesta. And um, hey. hey, how are you doing? We thought it was time for a for another podcast. We've had some interesting times here recently. You know, the old saying is, may you live in interesting times. You know, I'm really getting tired of hearing that. I don't want to live in interesting times anymore. <laughs> I want to live in boring times where there's nothing going on. But um, we were going to get a podcast out uh, as soon as we can after things kind of sort of, set, sort of settled down a little bit. And today, you know, so you have myself, Michael and Eric, you know, your standard, you know, your, your regular host. But today we have a special guest who uh is no stranger to the podcast and we've worked with this gentleman for many many years but I'd like to introduce for today's podcast Mr Barrett Williams who is the director of data center operations at venue
3: hello everyone
0: Barrett how are you today you were in you were in Shreveport yesterday and then you snap your fingers and you're back in Baton Rouge so I, I go where I am needed absolutely well we need you on this podcast right so um and here I am Absolutely. So, good to um, have you here, Barrett. Yep, love hanging out with you guys. Yep,
3: some of my very favorite venue employees right here.
0: I think we're. I think, I think. I think. I think. I think we're kind of the oldest venue employees. I know Faisley is is the, the newest one, but um, Barrett and Eric I've worked with since I think we were teenagers, right? I mean, you know, I mean, we've worked together for many, many years, so. Good to have you guys and everyone on the podcast. So what are we talking about today, right? So kind of in light of the recent, uh, it's not a four-letter word, but, you know, recent hurricanes, um, we'd like to really talk about a little bit about how we keep our customers up, keep them up and running, um, not only just during the day-to-day running of a data center, right, when times are good, but we want to talk about really what do we do uh, every day that even keeps us, up and running in trying times like hurricanes and and weather events right
1: even the ice storms from a couple of months back you know
0: you know exactly right uh ice storms as well and we don't talk a lot about you know keeping the data center warm right because that kind of happens whether we like it or not but absolutely ice storms or something that is strange enough as it happens does happen in the south here um from time to time you know
1: but and, and i think i think we're talking about events that can affect clients and their power and their access to their production environments right so anything that can can bring upon an end user some kind of outage Yep. for them in yep. their environments that's basically what our data centers is designed to help prevent
0: yep keep keep customers that are in the data center up and then also be a safe place for customers to who maybe have lost power or have had something really bad happen right uh buildings destroyed or whatever be able to fail over to our data center with minimal or no problems right but before we get started um, you know, this is, this is sometimes a hard topic to talk about in light of what's happened here recently with Hurricane Ida. Uh, we would like to express our thoughts and prayers to go out to everyone who's suffered during this, whether if you've been living without power for an extended amount of time or, you know, rebuilding a home or camp. Um, you know, it's, it's really hard, so we definitely want to express uh, our gratitude to our customers and also thoughts and prayers to go out, going out who um, have been affected um, again, the RTC family, a, a venue, Etel, and Envision, uh, we've we've been providing assistance to not only our employees, which is amazing, but also the general public. Whether that's um, you know a free Wi-Fi at affected locations, getting power, uh, well, not power, but getting connectivity back to customers in their location. So, um, e- Etel and it, the RTC family of companies, uh, we, we take a we're in this together approach, and I think it's um, it's working well.
3: Yeah, very well.
0: So let's get into today's topic, right? Hurricanes, uh, something that Venue is not new to, right? Uh, I mean, I think most of us, if not all of us, I, I'm not sure how many hurricanes. F- Faisley, when did you come on board with Venue? When did you start?
2: Uh, I started in
0: 2015. Okay. So Eric and and Barrett have definitely been here with me when we went through Katrina. And that was in what? That was in 20. 20- what year was that?
1: Five, two thousand five.
0: Two thousand five. So, we had Rita and Katrina. Rita was really a a mess, right? That was a hot mess. Um, and we did a lot of good work for customers who uh, who were in the New Orleans area who were affected, and we were able to do. At the time, we didn't have real time replication. We were actually just doing restores from backup, um, and we did some really amazing work for for customers in in the New Orleans area, getting them recovered to um, to venue. Rita was not so much of a problem, at least for us here in Baton Rouge. Gustav was um, was another hot mess. Um, We did run on our generators, but no problem at all. That seemed to seem that we had a lot of tree damage, a lot of power outages in the city of Baton Rouge. Um, But in the data center where we where our data center is located, no problems at all. Uh, And then just recently, Ida which was really a mess, and I would say Ida takes the cake, takes the prize for um, the, you know, for Venue having to run their generators for the most time, which is around five days. We were on generator power without um, utility power, and we just kept chugging along.
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we've we've been, we've weathered a few, I mean, Boost Office was, kind of the worst one before um, Ida came along, right? So we lost power for Gustav for a couple of days. Maybe Barry could probably answer that a little bit better. But, you know, all of these events, this is what we built the data center for. And and though I'll say something, we learned something from each event. There was never an issue that we learned from that was like an outage type of event. We never, we never had to learn to to. Corrected outage. All we did was learn how to be more efficient at what we were doing for our clients.
0: Yep, Gustav. I remember. I remember trying to get to the data center, and uh, it was literally like going, you know, trying to find side streets that I could dodge fallen trees and shrubbery and stuff to get to the data center. But once we were at the data center, everything was fine. I mean, we were running on gens for a couple of days, but. Uh, I think it's a
1: perfect example of something we learned, right? Yeah. So Gustav, we learned, hey, it's, sometimes it's hard to get to the data center. Maybe we should station more employees at the data center. Yep. Right. So it's just it's every event has been a learning experience for us in some small way to be more efficient.
0: Yep. And and so talking about those efficiencies, right? Kind of let's talk about a little bit about the cornerstones of what keep us up and running right and you know outside of and these kind of all intertwine with what we do on a day-to-day basis so when we talk about you know hurricane preparedness and 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 these things it's really we're not having to go out of our way to to get prepared for hurricane right because we're always prepared for catastrophic events where we could lose power or have have trouble for our customers so um you know don't get me wrong we do d- check and double check thing we w- check things when we know we have a hurricane brewing out in the gulf but it's not something that we're caught off guard by right we we're we're prepared at any time and um the first thing really is is the facilities right it's 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 keeping the power on it's keeping the heating and cooling going and that's really one of the things when you talk about a data center, you're talking about what is the physic- What is a data center. It's the physical building, right? It's the actual location. We're here at Venue in our Baton Rouge data center. We're in a 100-year non-flood zone. And we're in a robust building that has really been battle-tested, right? We've been through several hurricanes, correct? So yeah. um, the location of the building is, is very important.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. also very easy to get to, right? Large artery roads, kind of to Will's point earlier, um, you know, Florida airline 1210, you've got multiple paths to actually get to the physical data center. <clears throat> yep. And then, like Eric said, you know, the our typical SOP for any type of weather event, uh, we just kind of generically have a, a weather incident response plan that includes you know who's going to be staged at the facility who's going to relieve those people um ensuring that they've got food water on site uh, and event, you know you get stuck there for multiple days things like that is all covered
0: yeah so keeping you know keeping the the, the logistics of the facility robust and up and running is one thing and then also more you know, going alongside with that is really the power architecture right Uh, Barrett, you want to talk a little bit about kind of what the architecture of, you know, getting power from the street on into the server rack, um, what does that look like?
3: Uh, So from our path of power perspective, we get our power from the local provider here, Entergy, uh, and that's completely separate between BTR1 and BTR2, two distinct feeds. um, And that feeds into basically our our batteries, uh, the UPS systems, and the UPS systems are always powering the floor. Uh, your data center floor, you know, redundantly with A and B side power. And then in the event of a utility disruption, our large automatic transfer switches basically sense that, command the generators to start and then fail the utility power over to generator power. And then your generators are effectively uh, powering your UPSs, which are then again powering the floor. And then at that point, it's just a matter of topping up your generators uh every day every other day uh depending on current load
0: right and the ups hey the ups i'm sorry go ahead Paisley.
2: hey barrett what what's the um i guess uh amount of time that the uh UPSs can hold that load so if, if commercial power goes out while the gens turn up what's what's the duration that, that the UPSs can hold that load
3: uh, so current workload in in BTR one BTR two you've probably got somewhere between ten to fifteen minutes, uh, give or give or take. But the generators are starting within a minute, and within you know BTR two it happens very fast. Uh, you're you're less than a minute between utility loss. And the time when the generators are powered up and uh, started up, I should say, and, and powering the data center floor, uh, BTR1 takes less than two minutes. Mm.
0: And, the, and one thing I want to mention to people who may, may not know, when we talk about UPSs, right, uh, uninterruptible power supplies, uh, these aren't the kind of supply, UPSs that you normally see that you have at home, right? They're not the ones that are sitting in your closet or your server room, most likely. These are power UPSs that are about the size of what barrett like a, a vw bus <laughs> right they're huge yeah they, huge UPSs. If, you, if
3: you're familiar with typical apc cabinet size it's basically two small rooms full of those uh, and they have you know the the control pieces your breakers and then the battery cabinets are separate
0: yeah, so we can keep, when we talk about keeping the data center up for 15, you know, 10, 15 minutes while we're cranking gens, uh, it's really keeping it up and running at load, meaning keeping the air conditioners running, keeping all the servers running, um, you know, so keeping that yeah, the, data center power up is is very important, um, you know, as we're switching to generators.
3: One key thing, you, you have to really, the, the UPSs are really there to clean the power to the floor, right? So I'm idea. glad you
0: – I was
1: actually going to touch on that as well, Bear. That's a great point that I think is sometimes overlooked. Yep. So so you think about it, William. So you're getting power coming to to the, the building from the, the the world, and then your house, the same thing, right? So the power is, a, is in a fluctuating band, right? So you're getting 112 volts, 124 volts, whatever it is, right? It's, it's fluctuating – Constantly, well, something that a UPS does is clean that out, and then you're sending 110 volts uh, straight to your rack. You're getting exactly what you asked for, right? Yep. So, so when a, if a client were to call in and say, "I see, you know, voltage spikes on my server, are we having power issues?" It's almost positive that we are not right there might be something in their rack that's having a problem maybe their their pdu's having a problem or maybe their server themselves are having a problem but the power coming to their rack is clean and exactly what they asked for
0: yep it definitely cleans the power and we do this this is run the ups's are running um in times of you know they're running all the time right eric so they're we're, we're providing clean power to your rack uh, all the time in That's fact, right. mo- most customers we tell you know don't bring in a UPS to your rack. Um, it, it's you're not going to get as efficient. I wouldn't say you would get you know inefficient power, but there's just really no need, right? It's not gonna not gonna really help you much. Um, and so yeah, we don't so we don't recommend bringing them in. Bring him-
1: Sometimes people will bring in because they think they need it for a single power supply type device, but we offer something called an ATS, which is an automatic transfer switch, right? So you can plug it into the A and to the B, and that switch has intelligence built into it and, and enough power within it to to withstand an outage and switch from one power source to the other power source. So so that's what we recommend you using because the power coming to you from our, from our UPSs will be perfectly clean.
0: Yep, absolutely. You know, and that's, that's something important to, to to hit on, Eric, is um, a lot of times people will bring in a switch or uh, even something like a small USB drive, maybe that they need to do, you know, to connect into a server or something. Right. And, um, you know, because the feeds that are coming in from the UPSs, uh, we have basically an A and a B circuit. Right. So on, if you open up a rack, you'll see two power strips going down each side. Right. And each power strip is an independent circuit servers is not such a big deal because most all servers have two power supplies right redundant power supplies one goes into a one goes into b uh but when you have devices like some networking equipment only we may have a single power supply uh, don't don't let that worry you because we have ways to fix that to where they're fully redundant power power supplies or power delivery i should say
2: Right. Right.
1: So, so, so glad you brought that up, Barrett, about the UPSs and and how the UPSs handle that. But yeah, continue on because it sounds this is really interesting about how the power is coming into the building, how we're failing forward to to a generator withstanding it with you. You're saying up to twelve to fifteen minutes, uh, but only needing a minute to two minutes. Um, so, which is great. So, if one of the generators doesn't fire up, we have a little time to work on that. Um, but we can actually carry the load, and you tell me this, uh, Barrett. We can carry the load. So we run. Something like eight generators and BTR two, and we run three generators and, and this because of the way they're configured, a little bit those numbers sound way off, but it's the way it's designed. The three full generators in BTR one, but what can we run on?
3: So everything uh, throughout the facility is n plus one, right? So it's it's what we need plus an additional unit for both fault tolerance as well as active maintenance, right? So. Uh, the the three generators in BTR one, to use that example,, uh, they all power up, start running, and they're basically sharing the load between them. so if if we were to have run um, you know, gotten into the probably like ten plus day run time, uh, we would we would have reached a threshold where we would start to need to do maintenance on some of the generators and we would basically take one out of line, and then the two generators that are remaining would hold the load. So they were all running 25 ish percent um, it would just split that up between the two and then we'd be able to do this sequence of events where you take take gen one out, maintain it, put it back in take gen two out maintain it put it back in and then three and then same thing for uh, for btr two it's it's got some some additional redundancies there within the individual housings um, to actual sets within each housing so you've got a little bit more fault tolerance there but you know and then then you go upstream to uh the the transfer switch which effectively works just as eric was describing in the the cabinet um small one u ats versus you know again size of a, a small vehicle um but it's it's doing the same thing instead of swinging your couple of amps for your device it's just swinging you know thousands of amps yeah. from utility to, to generators
0: another thing i want to mention guys is you know when we talk about going from ups to, to generators we actually don't have to go start anything right these generators will sense that the street power has been disrupted and automatically fire up 100 percent, and give us full power to the data center until the the smarts of the generator look at the load and then kind of balance themselves out for for optimal performance right
3: Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a, a quick word about maintenance, right? So every, every week we run our generators uh, to test them to make sure that everything powers up successfully and there are no issues. And beyond that, we're doing quarterly PMs on the generators. We do annual load banking uh, once annually, and then we also do a simulated utility fault. So uh, obviously, in in this case, this Ida was our simulated utility fault <laughs> test for the summer months. Uh, we typically do a one in the hot summer months and one in the cold winter months, just to test and yep. ensure that the sequence of events takes place correctly, successfully, with with no human intervention, right? Because it's uh, you never know when you're going to lose power. I mean. You'll, you'll lose utility power if a vehicle runs into a pole on a sunny day, right? It doesn't have to be a, a hurricane or other weather incident for that to occur.
0: Yep. Right,
1: so, which, which is – which is that's how our whole data center is designed, right? So we don't necessarily – like William said at the very beginning of the, of the, of the conversation – we don't really have a lot to do for our hurricane preparation, right? There's a little bit of, hey, who wants to cover being at the data center just in case, and who wants to pick up some extra food to be in the data center so the people that are going to be there for a few days have, have those kind of sustenance types of things. But the data center itself, we don't have to do much, right? Because what you just said—if somebody runs into a pole outside and knocks our power out—we have to be prepared for that 365 days a year. So we're already prepared for that. That's something that we have in place. But um, yeah, that's that's so. And what's what I think is cool is you mentioned the this these PMs and this this quarterly and, and biannual uh, maintenancees. And and as I recall, I've seen it multiple times where. Uh, the facilities teams, Blaine and Zane, and and their teams, uh, they they go out and they even test test batteries, right? So in the UPS units, they they test the batteries, and if they find a cell, an individual battery cell, which very minimal to the need of the entire UPS, but an individual UPS uh, battery is in UPS has a problem, we can pull it out and replace it. And so, at all times, you know, three hundred sixty-five days a year, we're always thinking about power. You know, and, and yeah. that is that that is a critical piece.
0: The other critical piece, guys, is uh, our availability to get fuel, right? So, being on generators, generators do run on something, right? And um, I always always talk about, and I always make a joke about the data center smelling like French fries, right? It's and I'm always gonna kind of kind of equate, you know. So we run on agricultural grade diesel, right? And I always kind of get, I always kind when I think of agricultural grade diesel, I think about biodiesel, which is completely different. And, and on the pre-call, Eric, of course, you know, ragged me out about, no, it's not, you know, biodiesel. It's actually agricultural-grade diesel, which is easier for us to get uh, in times of, of hurricane, right?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the effective difference there is uh, red dye, right? So it's it's subsidized so that the farmers can use the agricultural diesel um, and, and t- have a better shot at turning a profit. Um, and it's not for consumption on or on the highways as they call it right for for vehicles you'll get a pretty substantial fine if you're running it in a uh, in a vehicle because of the the tax situation and everything yeah. but yeah and, and beyond just the type of diesel it's it's also about uh contractors and having multiple vendors right so multiple um Sides of the river, multiple cities. Right, we we actually got some uh, some diesel from from Houston uh, because we were unable to contact our local providers. Right, so if you remember Monday, uh, most communication was was down for the large portion of the day. So we reached out further and got diesel coming from Houston on the way because we knew power was going to be out for at least probably 24 to 48 hours. We didn't, we didn't at the time know it was going to be five days. We didn't have a concept of the, the amount of damage that happened, transmission lines, and substations and things like that. Um, you know, and that's, that's where we, we leverage our relationships with Entergy and start to understand what, uh, what those guys are doing for us and, and what kind of duration we're in for. Yep.
1: And if I remember correctly, that that truck was actually already on the way. There was already a truck on the way Sunday night, right?
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We started, uh, I mean, we reach out pretty early. I mean, we knew again, it was going to be an extended length of time. Uh, and we're, you know, what we basically immediately start calculating what our, what our burn rate is. And then we know what kind of cadence we need to top up our generators.
0: Yeah. So definitely guys, you know, power is important. Uh, you know, power power you know keeping the data center power architecture robust helps us keep the hvac system running which is very important right because we have to keep all these computers and servers and, and and gear in our data center cool um like i said not so much heating right uh but who knows it is 2021 w- who knows we may have a blizzard coming in louisiana we do, with our with the luck lately it, you know who knows yeah. but the, the well, outside if
3: it's... temperature doesn't doesn't <laughs> affect our need for cooling
0: yeah so whether we're in a hurricane or a blizzard we have the power and environmentals to keep servers happy right and the that, other thing I want to mention guys that is really important especially during hurricane times is our business continuity center and this kind of this is all under the the, the preface of, of the facilities right then really the business continuity center or BCC which uh, many of our customers use is literally like a cube farm right a safe place to work. Uh, where the customer can come in. Maybe they've had an outage in their building or, God forbid, a catastrophic you know, problem at their building. They can come into the data center. They can sit down at a laptop or desktop. Uh, maybe they've set things up beforehand. They'll have their phone system set up and ready to go. Safe place to work, cool, near their servers. Uh, we have showers and a kitchen. So it's really a benefit to the customers who are um, who are reserving those seats for hurricane season, right, for things like this.
1: Yeah, so so people that already reserved them, they just walk in, put their laptop, plug into the network, and go, right? So they're ready to go. They even may have a phone extension already extended to that, that cubicle, and they're good. Um, I do know that and, – and Michael and Barrett can can probably speak about this a lot – but during this event, we had clients that did not have reservations, yeah. and we were still able to accommodate them. And, and you guys can expound upon that, how that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean uh-
3: – Everybody that, that reached out to us, we were we were able to accommodate them in the VCC. I mean, it's a it's a pretty quick and easy turn up. It's just a matter of um, <clears throat> you know getting getting some some paperwork in place, and then getting them in there. The check in procedure is very similar to how we check um, our customers into the data center your syringer ID, you get a badge, that badge will let you get in between the hallway and the BCC and get to the restroom and the break room and the conference room and, and all of that, but not access any uh, any of our critical facilities. Um, and, you know, for for this event specifically, you know, we were fortunate enough to have some uh, have some people bring in some jambalaya and, and other things that we were able to share. And, you know, like Eric said, we can give you hardwire access. We've got separate Wi-Fi networks for the individual customers and they've got their space in there that they can set up their laptop, their monitors, phones, whatever they need.
2: Yeah. It is interesting how things have changed over time, though, because, you know, during events like Katrina or, or, or Gustav or <clears throat> whatever happened, you know, five years ago or more, uh, all the organizations needed a hardwire port. They all needed a desk phone. For Ida, almost nobody requested a desk phone because they were all using Teams or Zoom or you know some other you know type of uh, uh, you know conferencing solution that was on their laptop. So all they, they all that they needed was an internet connection, and I think we may have had one that requested a hardwire port, but everybody else wanted wireless. So it is yeah. interesting how that has evolved over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, and you know, organizations just having different needs out of the PCC.
1: Yeah. And, and for me who I'm not very smart with these things, it, 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 Michael, is it easier for you to turn up someone that's hardwired or someone that's wireless?
2: Um, wi is so easy to turn up now. I mean, especially because we're, we're segregating the, the customers as they come in. So if there's 10 different, um, you know, organizations that have space in the BCC, we're going to give them ten different networks because we don't we don't want them sharing networks. Um, I mean, it's it's not that hard to turn up wired, um, but I, I would say it's a little bit easier on on the Wi-Fi side to turn up.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. And kind of speaking of internet connectivity, Michael, I mean, this is you know we talked about facilities a little while ago. Now we're kind of moving into you know what is the importance of internet connectivity, right? And I think, you know, as you said, back in the Katrina days, it was hardwired. People maybe weren't using mobile phones as much. Maybe they needed to port their numbers to our data center for, for connectivity. Um, now it's, you know, that people are using things like Teams or... Uh, you know signal or types of communications that is not necessarily reliant on dial tone but reliant on internet connectivity right so can you talk a little bit about you know where our internet connectivity comes from at the data center right we have we have multiple carriers coming in uh, and then we have a a, you know a slew of redundancy from the lines coming outside the building down into the users uh, servers and or laptops and desktops
2: yeah i mean when we talk about internet connectivity there's there's kind of uh, a few components that need to be addressed right one are are the feeds that come into the data center right and uh the other would be the internal network architecture um so to address the feeds that come into the data center first uh, we are redundant and diverse which which is an important concept to understand right you can have redundancy but not have diversity, meaning you may have two or three different feeds come into the data center, but if they're coming down the same side of the highway or entering in the building the same side, a backhoe or some type of physical damage could take out all of your feeds, right? And that's obviously not ideal. So uh, not only do we have redundant feeds coming in, Uh, feeds coming into btr1 feeds coming into btr2 but they are geographically path diverse and node diverse Uh, the node diversity comes in where those feeds actually enter different devices in the data center and go to different devices on the opposite end which is really you know a device failure will not take out multiple circuits so you know that kind of addresses the internet carrier side or or, or the feeds coming into the the uh, data center side, but um, you know going into the the network architecture architecture piece and talking about node um, redundancy and diversity, um, we take that very seriously and take it all the way from the border routers where the feeds come into the data center all the way down to um, the end of switches. So. If customers do uh, want a redundant feed, we can provide that to them to where they, you know, may have a router or, um, you know, maybe a, a HA set of firewalls, and they have a connection to two different um, interro switches with two separate power feeds for for each um, set of uh, interro switches, and then those interro switches uplink to our two spine routers and then that uplinks to our two border routers and then goes out. So any failure to any one of those devices, be it an end of row switch, a spine, a border, an internet circuit is not going to take that customer down um, because we have that redundancy and that diversity built in. Um, so really important to have both of those concepts accounted for.
1: And I think that played in, I think that plays in like with an event, like what we just had with Ida, where, I mean, basically all of Southern Louisiana lost their power. Right. So, so you think about all of the, all of the devices it takes to get internet to, from AT&T or from Cox or from whomever the provider is. Right. So, so all those fees have to go to a device somewhere out in, uh louisiana that has power to it to feed to us at some point right so so having that diversity as you said the diversity in the providers was was critical because if one provider or two providers lost power to some critical gear coming towards us maybe it's 100 miles away from us but that's a critical path that it takes to get to us uh we have redundancy in uh, to get another direction because we never lost power. I, I, so I, I, you know, as you guys know, and the audience probably is not as aware, as I work in Colorado, but I was able to manage and support our clients and our internal gear the entire time, never had problems connecting to our building, never even had, you know, a loss of ping or a loss or, or, a, or a trace route that generated large uh, wait times, right? So, so I was it was as, as if I was at the data center and that was all because of our redundant fees into the building. I, I didn't have to worry about the fact that all of a sudden Louisiana was losing power and I might have not be able to be, make it to the data center. Yeah. That's critical it, for our clients.
2: Yeah, And it's not just important from a power perspective, but also the the feeds themselves. Um, you know, not all cables are buried. Uh, some cables are, are aerial, right? So if it's, if it's going along a set of poles and, you know, in not not just a hurricane, but but you could take a, a an ice storm where there's a bunch of sleet, um, or or you know ice weighing down those cables. If it brings down that aerial cable, you need something to fall back to, right? So that that path diversity also comes into it.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. That, that that that's great. So redundancy. Go ahead, Barrett. Say so we we actually
3: had a, a several of our local MSPs that are in the co-location facility. Um, those, those guys have been there and still, I see them checking in, uh, day after day, bringing equipment in from the field, you know, from their customers to get it back online for them. Uh, because it's, it, it you know, it's going to be up and available versus at their office or, you know, maybe, maybe small, um, uh, data center in-house or something like that and you know because of because of all of these small little details that we've mentioned and you know preventative maintenance and uh, connectivity options that's you know that's the benefit of the cloud versus your closet
0: yep and and that actually kind of goes into some of the things we'll talk about next really which is our data center solutions right so we talked a lot about facilities we talked about internet connectivity uh, we talked about co-location, right, in rack space where some maybe someone wants to move their gear into our data center, into like just co-location space. And they just want to move their their servers and network gear from one location that maybe is in a in a path of you know a place where hurricanes tend to have worse have worse outcomes, right? Maybe they want to move that into one of our data centers. Um, but then we have customers who don't want to move gear in. Maybe they want to just migrate to our uh, our cloud, right where we host the the virtual servers and infrastructure for them, right An example of that would be someone who may is uh, maybe is closer to the coast right and we had actually a couple of customers who migrated their their virtual machines um, from their production running in a, an area that was maybe susceptible to hurricane damage moved them right into our uh, public cloud right before the hurricane hit like maybe a couple of weeks before. And they're yeah. leveraging our cloud services um, and moving completely out of harm's way at their headquarters, right?
2: Sure, so
1: we have at least two or three clients within the last two months that either move to a private hosted cloud, which is something we could talk about, which is basically gear dedicated to you, but it's running in our building and managed by us. And we also have a public cloud, which is gear that you don't have to worry about, it's not dedicated to you. Um, And we've had clients that moved into both of those environments and of course, none of them had issues, though their headquarters where they would have been at would have lost everything. They would have lost power. They would have lost internet. Everything would have been down. So even if they had generators to run their their equipment, they would have lost internet because the provider going into their building was down, not just the equipment within their building. So – so that was a big, uh, a big boost for these guys. Um, you know, we had one of our clients who had evacuated up to Northern Louisiana and was calling and, and Michael can talk about it. He called Michael to say, yeah, we're having no problems. Thanks for all the help you guys did for us.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, <clears throat> we had known, um, like Will said that they had just done their migration, um, prior to the hurricane coming in. So, we wanted to double check to make sure that everything was was good for them going into the hurricane and you know they had mentioned hey you know we've we've gone ahead and evacuated and um you know i was checking on them uh after the hurricane had passed through and they were like you know what this this was really great um for us to have done this migration because it was one gigantic thing for us to not have to worry about right um everything worked great and we weren't have to um we weren't having to worry about okay is the building gonna gonna lose power or um or, internet drain connectivity on it. Or, or or flood or you know whatever it may be um our our infrastructure is at the data center and it's going to be on and protected
0: Yep. so rather you know if customers are worried about where they want to run production that kind of ties into when we talk about edge computing right where maybe the, the, the desktops may be out, you know, it, out in the world somewhere, maybe along the coast or somewhere, but the actual servers and actual data that the customer holds most important is running in our data center, right? Um, sure. To where the most critical data does not go down, right? Um, and whether it's running, like you said, Eric, in private or public cloud, um, that's where, you know, customers reap re- benefit, Right. Um, I'll say
1: it to another level, Will. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the disaster recovery services that we offer here play big time to it. So we got a, you know, Thursday afternoon – I'm sorry, Sunday afternoon, you know, say 6 p.m. or so, 7 p.m. I Mm -hmm. can't remember exactly when. A particular client of ours who runs their stuff in their own data center – has mm-hmm. DR disaster recovery services with us and uh they made a phone call saying hey they would like to invoke their disaster recovery services and not only do they need to invoke it, they need us to do it for them because they're in a home in uh bunkered down in the middle of the hurricane. They don't have power. They can't even get out to the world to, to do anything. Can we do the disaster recovery for them? Absolutely. And uh so I picked up the case and I looked at it and I said, you know, I, I live in Colorado. I I you know, didn't have sunny skies because it was a little bit dark. <laughs> and it was nighttime, but I was able to hop up on a laptop, get in, you know, give the guy a phone call, say, you, you know, is there any particular way you want me to do this? You know, this is your environment. Do you have a disaster recovery startup plan? And he says, yes. And he gave me the plan. I powered up the VMs, called him back, said, hey, everything's powered up. He says, cool. I have my own MSP that I'm going to call. I said, great. This is 30 minutes after he called me. And about an hour later they called so they had a couple networking issues. it turns out they hadn't they didn't have their laptops configured correctly on their end that our network guys figured out for them pretty quickly and then everything was reconfigured and working. Yep. So they were in their building in southern Louisiana at like 7 p.m and at 9 p.m they're running in our data center serving their customers as if there was no problem.
0: Yep. And that's, that's honestly, Eric, that's one of the big benefits, you know, because we have customers that maybe don't want to move to the data center and run production in our data center for, for whatever reason. And maybe they have investments where they're running in, you know, an area that could be affected by a hurricane and they don't want to move. They don't want to run full time in our data center. Maybe they just want to use us for disaster recovery or disaster avoidance, which I think is what this customer, this customer did. Right. So, A little bit about the disaster recovery piece, it's, you know, DR as a service or DRAS, right, where in in the particular one we we do a lot of is real-time replication. So customers who have adopted uh, virtualization, we can real-time replicate the, the customer's virtual servers from one location to another, have very, very small RPOs. You know, the recover point objective could be seconds or minutes. So there literally is no data loss when you're migrating from your data center or your server room to our commercial data center. And Eric, you know, as you said, you kind of hit that easy button, um, you know, follow the, the, the plan, uh, plan the work and work the plan. And it worked out very good for this customer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, they had a, at least they knew what they needed to have started and they knew what they needed to have started in what order. So some of our clients don't necessarily know that, and, and we try to help them with that. Uh, but this client did, and so I was able to execute and get them running. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at one point, the, the I was going to be doing some of their MSP work for them, but they were able to actually reach their MSP and that their MSP was able to log in. Had they not been able to do that you know, with access to their uh, systems, they could have said, okay, Eric, we're going to divulge to you how to connect everything. Right. And I could have done those other pieces for them or anybody else in the office could have, you know, any of our support services team. Um, I just happened to be the one working the case, but yeah, so this, this client was super successful, right. We didn't have any problems with that. And, and and they could have done it a, a million different ways, but the beauty, beautiful part piece of this was, so they failed forward with us for about four days. And then their building got power. They're building got internet, and so they said we want to move our stuff back, right? Because so, they wanted their the the ten servers or so that they powered up to be closer geographically and logically to the other servers that were running. So they they were able just to, just to fail them back. Yep. And 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 not only did they w- were able to fail them back, they were able to fail them back without even calling me. They did it all to themselves. I didn't even know. I just went to check on them. I looked in the in our cloud to see how they were doing, and I saw hey. All their stuff has been removed. They they've contacted them and said, "Hey, did did you have an issue?" And they said, "Nope, we failed back. Uh, thanks for all the help." Yep. So so the, the the like you said, make the plan, build work the plan, everything worked out just like they uh, they intended. Um, mm-hmm. It was nice, and and we could have done this with other other solutions as well. So we could have done this with any kind of backup solution, assuming that the backup solution. Uh, has the easiest plan with like some kind of BMR, you know, bare metal yeah. recovery, right? So, well, so if you're using a bare metal recovery, we can do these things very easily. It it may take a little bit longer, spin up a VM, you know, pull back all the data, and then and then restore it to a running status. Um, that's actually quicker though than than having just system state yeah. recoveries. Right? Well.
0: Well, real time replication really is kind of the fastest and it takes the most planning, right? It takes the most planning to set up. And you kind of have to think about this before you have an app, before you experience an outage. You have to think about, okay, I'm going to have a disaster recovery plan. Maybe I want to do real time replication. But we have some customers who are like, look, you know, I really don't, maybe I don't want to spend the time or money in doing that. Maybe I only have a handful of servers, right? And the importance for them, and you kind of touched on this, Eric, is I just need, You know, I need to be able to recover, and I don't need, you know, minutes. I don't have to have an RTO of five minutes. As long as I'm up in a couple of days, then I'm fine, right? And uh, many of our customers don't do real-time replication. They just do backups, right? And as you pointed out, you know, doing things like bare metal recovery images, right, where we take an actual image, not only of the data, but we take an image of the C drive, right, the boot disk, and uh, we can very easily power that machine up. We recover that data after the data is recovered in our public cloud or private cloud. We can turn those machines on, turn those machines on and make small changes to make them usable again to the customer.
1: Sure. And we have clients that do that as, as their disaster recovery plan, then that works mm-hmm. well for them. So, you know, I just want to make sure we, we mentioned that, you know, and we have multiple flavors of backups that we use. So, so we're and, and the other thing is, is we're here, right? So, you don't have to be in your data center or at our building to do these recoveries. We can do a lot of this for you. You just have to, you know, whatever pieces of, of, of your recovery plan you need us to to, to 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 divulge to us, we just need that information. But restoring yeah. VMs and, and even restoring bare metal physical boxes is pretty easy for us. We yeah. You know, almost anybody in our company can do this, and, and it's, it's very – it's, it's, it's simple. Yep. It could take longer for doing a bare metal or a system state recovery versus doing a live recovery and something to be said, is, uh, well, you were saying that the RTO or the R- RPO could be seconds to minutes, but if you know in advance, this is zero, yeah. right? So if you know that you want to fail over in advance, you can just hit the button and it will do a, a controlled recovery on our side where it actually wraps up all the data on the source side closes it out shuts it down and sends that last zillionth of a second to us and then we have uh, we have the exact zero state
0: recovery it still blows my mind that that actually works as well as it does i mean i know it's we've been doing it for several years with this particular vendor um and and technology but it still is amazing that i can have a server running um you know in new orleans or in homa or houston and literally with a few clicks that machine now is running in baton rouge or shreveport or or even a partner data center so really kind of cool yeah. So we talked a lot about facilities and the connectivity, right? Our data center solutions that keep our customers up and running and or restored right? in the event of something really bad happening. But really the most important piece to this whole puzzle really is our employees, right? It's people who are actually doing the work. Uh, the 24 by 7 infrastructure team, uh, Eric's, Eric and his team. Um, Karan Cooper and the delivery services side really are the stars in this, right? Because they're the people that are interfacing with the customers. And also, don't get me wrong, our facilities team, Barrett, uh, and management team. Um, I mean, I've seen these guys sleeping at the data center to make everything, make sure everything uh, is running good for our customers.
3: Shout out to the NOC.
0: Oh, and the NOC. Yeah, absolutely. Our network operations center. And those guys, I mean, those people are there. Twenty four seven. When we talk about 24-7, really that's our network operations center, right? Because they are there in good times, in bad times. They're at the data center taking care of our customer needs. And, and the, shout,
1: the shout out is, is 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 funny because we don't ever forget about our knock. Never. Because they're there twenty four seven. We never—that's who we all call ourselves yep. when we have issues, right? So we never forget about the knock. The knock—knock—is—is is our access to the data center as well. And and they do their job great. They're there. they always answer the phone. And they always answer with with a happy sound in their voice. So
0: absolutely. It,
1: it's, it's the fantastic team.
0: All right, guys. Well, we're we're running up to almost 50 minutes. So if you stayed with us this long, thank you. Uh, we have a few more things to wrap up. Um, you know, all the things we've talked about, Eric and, and Michael and Barrett, we have a really good resource guide on our website at www.venu.com slash resources. And here's where you'll find all the information about our data protection. Uh, there's disaster recovery plans and information. Uh, and a lot of resources that our customers or, or potential customers could look at to um, help guide uh, help guide them in building their recovery or, or, or disaster avoidance techniques. Right. We also have an upcoming webinar. Uh, this is the uh, one of our um, future of work webinar. Uh, we have one coming up, which is consequently one called "How to uh, Future Proof Crisis Management Through Critical Communications and Planning." And this is one that we'll have um, our own Noah Boudreau uh, will be participating in as well as um, one of uh, our partners from SituationHub.com. And he he uh, specializes in uh, crisis communications uh, during, you know, things like hurricanes. Right. Um, Jared Bro will be joining Noah on that um, webinar. So please keep an eye out on our website. Uh, I'll put a, post a link to the webinar in the podcast notes, and uh, we'll have that there for people. So. A little bit of housekeeping. Um, again, uh, we're found on the iTunes store, TuneIn uh, Radio, Stitcher Radio, uh, also just on the venue.com slash podcast website. Uh, all of our podcasts can be found there. And obviously, we'd love to interact with our listeners. So if you have questions or want to inter, you know, send us comments or maybe things that you would like to hear us talk about, you can email us at podcast at venue.com. And then also, if you go to venue.com slash podcast, there's actually a button and a link that you can click on and actually submit a web form and get in touch with um, myself, Eric, and Michael. So that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much, and thanks for listening. Take care, everyone.
3: Thanks, guys.